Well, it's just a privilege and honor to be here this morning. We just, we love being here. Man, we, we just love you all. And we're so thankful for your support in prayer and in, in financial support too for the faith mission. And it's just a, a delight to be here. And especially today. Um, I think about this often. Being a pastor, being a preacher, it, it, is, it is very frustrating because you're, you're up here, you're, you're, you want to talk about the greatest person, the greatest event, and you know you can't do it. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. That is totally impossible. But as Pastor Ben was praying, you realize too that you're not here alone. The, the Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit exalts Christ. And so with Pastor Ben praying there, I'm praying too that God will take these feeble words and take his word, which is powerful, by his Holy Spirit and that Christ will be magnified here this morning by his presence and his power, that we can lift him up together. Like that verse, let us... Come magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The humble shall hear and be glad. So let's hope that's, we're just going to seek to lift Christ up here this morning. And there's a verse that been on my heart for quite a few days. And it's a beautiful verse in the Bible. And it's a beautiful Easter verse. And I'll just read it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. That is so well put. He's saying this is the grace of God. This is the grace of Christ. That though he was rich, there's no word that we have that could say that rich. He is, he, he was, he is, and he always will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the highest of the highest of the highest. There is nothing higher than him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the almighty God. There's no one higher. The angels bow at his feet. One angel who we read in the Bible who can take care of whole armies, this, these angels, they bow at his feet. He's the almighty God. He was the king of glory. And he left all of, we won't know. I, well, Pastor Ben's grandpa knows. But he left the king of all the splendor of heaven. Rich, there's no word. Rich, that doesn't say it. He's it. He's above it all, like we just sang. And he left the the splendor of heaven to come down. Like the hymn writer says, he emptied himself of all but love. He completely emptied himself and came down and was born as a baby. God, 
Like the, like the, the prophecy says that there'll be a child born and he'll be called wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. He came and he was, he humbled himself. There's no, no humble. Like <laughs> there's, he lowered himself so low and he became, he was born of a woman and he was subject to parents. He, 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 the one who created everything had to, could you imagine sanding something? He was, he was a carpenter. I think that's so neat. The one who made everything had to work and, and, and plane things and, and sand them and, and get sweaty and, and have blisters who could just speak and everything was made. The almighty God humbled himself and became a man and he subject himself to his parents. If he can do it, we could all, the kids can do it too. Give a little something for the children today. <laughs> no, but here, the, the God of everything, he, he subjected himself and lived a perfect life. Never sinned once. And then we, we as a family watched the passion of the Christ on Friday, on Good Friday. And you see the physical suffering that he went through for you and for me. He was, he was betrayed by his friend. And then he was beaten the Bible says that you couldn't recognize him. He was, his beard was plucked out. He was beaten with a rod. He had to put a crown of thorns on his head. He was, the God of everything was hung naked on a cross, spit upon and, and beaten and mocked and ridiculed. In any moment, that's what, what he says to us. This, I could call 12 legions. You remember at, when Jesus was first born, Thousands and thousands of angels came and could you imagine being one of those? That's him. These people have no idea who that is. That's him. That's the king of everything. As a little baby. But could you imagine even more watching him? They're hitting him. They're beating him. They have no idea what they're doing. He's here to redeem them. And they're beating him and they're, they're, they're ripping his beard out and mocking him. And yet that movie was, I just, just the tears, just that's my savior for me by his stripe, by his stripes, we're healed. He was wounded for our sins. There was, there, there was nobody that didn't deserve anything more than that. That was so unfair. That was the most unfair thing ever happened. The one who was perfect took all the, 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 the things we should have taken. And there he was just, and then hung on a cruel cross to die, the worst way to die. And it was all for you and for me. He, he became poor. He suffered. But that was Nothing. He sweat drops of blood, not because of the physical suffering he was about to take, but like the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We were the ones who went astray. Every one of us went astray. And, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was put on his own son. When he says, why have you forsaken me? Father, my God, my God. He had to be forsaken of God. And then he said, it's finished. He paid the whole entire price. 
but the justice of God was satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll, no one will ever know what he did right there when he took the wrath of his father upon himself for you and for me. He became poor. There's no words to say what he did for us. And, and a few, uh, maybe a year or maybe not quite a year ago, when I came here, we talked about how all the religions of the world, they're all basically the same. They're all man in his pride. Some, all sorts of different lists, but there's always a list. And sometimes we even use the 10, they use the 10 commandments to make the list, but whatever. There's this list that we have to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And then you earn heaven. You, you've earned heaven. You've, you've made it your way. And, but the Bible tells us very clearly all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one can make it to God. And so if every religion in the world is man and his pride reaching up to God, trying to reach God and not making it, then true biblical salvation is God in all his humility reaching down to man and paying the debt for us. In, in the book of Galatians, it says, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them that are under the law. So he had to become a man. He had to become us in order to pay the perfect sacrifice. He lived an absolutely perfect life on your behalf. And then he took your penalty, your sin, your punishment on himself. In the, in the Old Testament, we read of the kinsman redeemers. If I was, say, I was a young man and I'd, I'd racked up a debt that I could never, ever repay. Then one of my relatives, my brothers, could come to that person. I, if I couldn't pay, I would be sold into slavery and my whole family would be to pay the debt. But if one of my brothers was to come and say, I will redeem him, I'll pay the debt for him, then I would go free. And that's exactly what Christ did. He came and he paid the debt that we owed and he satisfied the justice of God. So it says here, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty, might become rich. That we might have eternal life with God. I, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you can hardly even read it because you, you wonder, how is that even possible? That God not only says that we'll be saved, that we'll just, you know, okay, you're not going to suffer the wrath of God because of Christ if you trust in him. See, if all, all those religions of the world, they're, they're trying to reach God and instead true biblical salvation is God reaching down to man. And then we, as his creation, the only way to know God and to be saved is to humble ourselves before God and repent. That means turn from going your own way to God with all your heart and then trust fully and only in what Christ did for you. And as we trust, as we say to God, I cannot save myself, I trust fully in what Christ did for me. We're born again. His spirit comes, abides within us, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that, that is the sealing for the, when, the day when we die or the day when God return, Christ returns and we go to be with him in glory. And it, it's hard to even say it, but God says that you are a joint heir with Christ. See, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. 
and we have got mercy. When Christ went to the cross, I deserve to be in hell. I deserve to be separated from God. That's what, I, that's what my sin has gotten me. But God in his mercy didn't give me what I deserve because I trusted in his son, Jesus Christ. But grace, grace is a little different. Grace is being given what you don't deserve. Christ humbled himself, took the wrath of God upon himself. I sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. But as I humbled myself before him and I receive his free gift of salvation, I made a joint heir with him. Man, I've heard people, God isn't fair. He definitely isn't fair. I get all the splendor of heaven and he paid the whole price. That should bring worship. If there's anybody in this world that should be humble, it's a Christian. That should just, there's nothing that should come from hearing that statement other than my Lord and my God. He did everything for you. He paid all of that price for you. And I get to be a joint heir with him. That song, I often sing it myself. Hallelujah, what a savior. Man of sorrows, what a name for the son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a savior. And that's why today, what a day to just remember what he's done for you. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. It's sort of like David in the Bible, he's a picture of Christ. When the two armies were come together and, and they said, why, the, uh, Goliath says, why would we all fight? Why don't you pick a champion? I'll, pick a cha- I'll be the champion here. And he said it very mockingly to God. And whoever fights, they'll represent the others. And whoever wins, wins it all. Everybody wins in their champion. But it's all riding on your champion. And so their champion, David, came in and whipped him by by the power of God. A little boy threw a stone and hit him and killed this great giant. But our champion stepped onto the world stage, never going to lose. And like Pastor Ben said, he defeated all the greatest enemies we have at once. And the cross, he defeated the sin. And in the grave, when he rose from the dead, he defeated death. But in, in that moment, in that Easter time, He defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated Satan. And our champion has won so that we can win. We win in him as we put our faith and our hope in him. He's defeated every enemy you have, and you need to trust your your life with him. I love this. I love this. Uh, I'm just going to read it. Every time I read it, it's just such a blessing. We get a little glimpse into heaven in Revelation chapter 5, and this is John saying, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody was even worthy to look at the book. And one of the elders said, and I wept much, he says, 
I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and, in the four, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. <clears throat> and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth, the new heaven and the new earth. We will reign with him. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and upon the Lamb forever and ever. That's a glimpse of what he did for us and a picture of heaven. And that's your Savior. Your champion came and defeated everyone. And we need to put our hope and our trust in him. But what I want to end with today is that not only when we read and we see and we, we one day will see fully, what he's done for us. Not only should you say, my Lord and my God, and we should fall on our faces and worship him, but we should say, I want to follow you. You, the almighty, you know, could you even imagine the angels, the humility, the, how, I don't even know how they could look, knowing who it was, knowing what are you doing, thinking that of the people, beating him. Even Pilate, who was supposed to have been a high person, he said, you, you can't take my life. Jesus told, you, will not, you cannot take my life. I lay it down. And he began to wonder, who is this I'm talking to? Slowly, he began to, I think his eyes were being opened more and more that whole day, who this was. And one day, it, the tables were turned and Pilate stood before the Almighty. Could you imagine being the angels watching and being so humiliated and seeing that is the God of everything being beaten and being hung on a tree, on a cross. And what that has to do for us is to make us want to worship him and say, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for the price you paid so that I could go free. But it also needs to say, I want to do the same. This is where we, North American worship, I think, 
Worship always. At, see, remember Thomas? He said, until I see, feel the, see the holes in his hand and the side, and I can put my finger in it, I'm not going to believe. And then Jesus steps in, and, and what does he say? My Lord and my God. But you know what happened to Thomas? From that moment on, he gave up his life so that others could know the greatest news in the world. I feel like it's the worst thing we could ever do is when we've been saved, such a high and huge sacrifice for our sins has been paid, and yet we do nothing so that others can know this great news. I still remember my brother right after he became a Christian. He said, Jeff, I'm just a beggar that someone told me where the bread was, and I want to spend the rest of my life telling all the other beggars where you get the bread. That's a pretty simple way. But Thomas, he went, he went a long way. He went, ended up in India. And he could, have, he could have renounced that he didn't see the resurrection, but he didn't. And he preached the gospel, and there's still churches there today that he started. And you know how he died? He could have said, no, the resurrection didn't happen. I'm out of here. I, I, I'm. But he, they tied him to horses, each one of his limbs, and they literally tore him apart. For the, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of the disciples died violently because they went out and they gave up their lives so that others could hear. They watched, they watched their master give up his life to redeem them. And then they went out and gave up their lives to tell people of the great news. And so I, I feel like it's so selfish if we've been given such a great gift I think we need to take up this verse. And even though we're rich, we're children of the most high God. Yet we need, though he was rich, yet for, your, for the sakes of those around us, we need to become poor. So that they, through our poverty, through our laying down of our lives, might be rich and know Christ. That's why after he was going back up into heaven, just like we heard this morning, go, now I want you to go. Remember what David said when, when they would bring in the, te- the, the Ark of the Covenant to the temple and, or to, the, to, to Jerusalem and they were moving it and one of the men, they, they carried it the wrong way. They were not supposed to carry it the way they were carrying it. They had it on a cart. And one of the men went to go touch it when it bumped and he touched and he died. And David got a bit angry and said, I'm not moving and it's staying right here. Nobody else is going to die. But they were supposed to carry it with, with those poles through it and men would carry it on their shoulders. And so he left it there. He left it in that place and wherever, at Obed-Edom's house, I think, everything just was blessed in that guy's life. And so finally David thought, well, maybe I better move it <laughs> to where I am or to where the Jerusalem. And so he went to go move it and he was going to sacrifice before he was going to move it. And the guy that owned the place, he said, I'll give you the oxen to sacrifice. And he said, oh no, I will pay for that because why? How, how could I sacrifice to God something that didn't cost me anything? And so what the sacrifice of Christ should do is it should Make me say, I want to lay down my life so that others will know. I'm going to give up myself like he did and by his power so that others can know. 
And that's what I hope your worship today will lead to. Not just, oh, thanks, God. Just going to live myself an easy life. And I can't, I'm so glad that you paid all that price for me. No, I want to lay down my life now. And that's what he said. If anybody wants to come after me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross. As you watch Jesus carrying that cross up that hill, and it was just, you could hardly watch it on the, on the passion of the Christ. But people in those days, they didn't, no, if you saw someone pulling a cross or carrying a cross, you know exactly where they were going. They were going to die. And we need to do the same. We need to die. We need to give our lives in order for others to hear the greatest news the world's ever known. And so the Bible says, if you want to follow him, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Because if you hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake in the gospel, you'll, you'll gain it. And so I'd like to ask you in your worship to God, words are something good and we need to give our words to God. But true worship is giving your life to God. Everything you are and have. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the mind we're to have. Is say, Lord, here's my life. The Bible says, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. What a picture of Christ. When he died on that cross, the fruit of the, the whole church was, is everything from there. But we need to do the same. We need to die so that others can live. We need to lay down our lives. And so that's what I would like to share with you today. That when you go home, I pray with a fellow, his name is Lawrence Tomalty. And he so often prays, God, I'd like to tell somebody about Jesus today. Would you give me the person? Would you give me the strength? And would you give me the words? And God usually answers them. But you can go now today. And we, yes, we've worshiped the Lord with our words. But let's now worship him with our lives and say, my life is yours so that others may know you, so that others can know this great gift that you've given me. Because in that same passage where he says, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In that same passage, it says, what, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world but lost your own soul? And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? And I used to think that for myself, man, this whole world isn't worth my soul. All I could gain in this world isn't worth my soul. And then when you have kids, you, you realize how precious a soul is. There's all this entire world isn't worth one of my children's souls. But when God really, that, that needs to continue on past yourself, past your family. God's saying there that your neighbor's soul, even the person that treats you terrible, their soul is worth more than everything in this entire world. And I don't think we're to live our life so selfishly to just only care about mine. 
only care about my kids, my wife, my kids. No. Christ came to die for everyone. And we need to do the same. We need to lay down our lives. And and that doesn't mean maybe going on the corner of the street, getting on a soapbox and starting to preach. And it might, who knows, whatever God leads you. But I had a friend, and I'll close with this. He just came back to God. And he comes to one of the prayer meetings I'm involved in. And he kept hearing everybody talking about people getting saved and how God led this person to go tell that person. And he was just intrigued. He, He used to be a professor at the college here. And he said, that is, to me, is one of the neatest things I've ever heard, like that God leads you on who to go talk to. And, and they said, well, explain that to me. And it, it's, I, you can't explain that. But you just, you just surrender your whole life to God and ask him to lead you. He'll lead you differently, maybe. And he said, I am definitely going to do that. And so after one of the prayer meetings, he was going home. And he went by his neighbor's house, who his neighbor was sitting out. His, he'd parked his car, his garage door was open, and his trunk was open. He was taking stuff out. And he said, I'm pretty sure God told me in my heart to go talk to him. And he said, I argued with myself all the way home past his house. And I was going, pulled into my driveway. And he said, I sat there in the driveway arguing with myself. What if it's not God? And he said, I thought about this way. If it is God, then I definitely want to go. And I'm willing to do it. If it isn't God, I just get to go see my neighbor for a little while. So he said, I turned my car around, went back. And it ended up that guy was in one of the lowest times of his life been through terrible things. And this fellow, Mark, he just started loving this guy and invited him for supper. His wife had left. He, he was going through things I can't even imagine someone have to go through. And he just kept loving him and loving him. And he invited him to church. Then he invited him to Alpha. And then about five months ago, he, he helped baptize him at our church because he came to Christ. And he said, I, and he had tears. I know God led me. But he, would just, he just made himself available and asked God to show him how to do it. That'll be so fun for you. But I, I, I just want to close. Let Easter this year be not just worshiping with my mouth, but worshiping with my life because he deserves it. As you, as you sit and contemplate that today, I would just encourage you. Lord, I want to go and lay down my life now for you. I'll just close. Lord, we just thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Like the hymn says, hallelujah, what a Savior. And we thank you for all he's done for us. We thank you for saving our souls. If there's anyone here, Lord, that has never received this beautiful gift of salvation, that our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich yet for our sakes, He became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. We have no idea what one day when we're with you in your presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, we thank you. But Lord, I pray that now we would go and tell this great news and that you'd lead and guide us, that we'd be able to lay down our lives like you did in order to let people know the greatest news ever. So thank you, Lord. We worship you today. And Lord, we worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you go, I just going to close with a, a little story and then a benediction, a little quick story of these two boys that were, they were Moravians in the great revivals of the Moravians. And they prayed the same thing we prayed. 
they asked God, where would you want us to go? Where do you want these, these two young men prayed? And they felt God had called them to a slave island out in the ocean, of course, where there was only slaves at this island and they were being sent out all over the world from this island. And they felt that they needed to hear the gospel. So they asked the owner of the island if they could go and share the gospel with these slaves. And they said, the owner said, no one goes on that island but slaves. And so they thought about it, they prayed about it, and they said, we'll sell ourselves into slavery to go. And they did. And the guy said, and you're not getting a free passage. You have to pay your way to that island. And so they took the money they were, they, they were paid for becoming slaves, selling themselves, and they paid their own passage to the, to the island. Never to be seen again, of course. You'd never come off that island. You might, but you'd be going to be a slave somewhere. And so those boys, on their way there, they're obviously their family were, you know, and friends were brokenhearted, but they were trusting God with them. But they said something on the, they, they spoke from the ship as the ship was pulling away from the harbor. This is what they said, and I want it to be the benediction for today, but they said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. It took me a long time to think about that. But as we go and as we go and give up our lives to proclaim the greatest news there ever was, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. So you ask God, and, and, and I want you to go with that, that whatever we do now, we give our lives for his glory. And maybe I'll just close with prayer. Lord, help us as we go out. We think of these stories of others laying down their lives, and Lord, you're not called us to do that. But Lord, our neighbors, our workmates, our people, our friends, people around us, Lord, they need to know you. And so, Lord, may we lay down our lives as we leave here in order to let others know about your wonderful salvation. And so, Lord, we just say, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of your suffering, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.